Yo, yo, what's going on, guys? Welcome to the Risen Fallen Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Hendrickson, and we are about to jump on the line here with Om Gandhi, the Om Gandhi from Run Tri Mag. And uh, he's been on the show before. This is his round three episode. Uh, very excited for this conversation. I'm excited to hear what you guys think as well. All of the links uh, to connect with Ohm and see the projects that he's doing, uh, the charity that he's running for, will all be in the description uh, of this podcast episode, whether you're watching this on YouTube or any other uh, podcast platform, anything like that. So make sure you go and check those out. Uh, welcome to the show. Uh, that's pretty much it. Let's jump straight into this conversation. I hope you guys like it. Much love. Let's go, baby. So tell me about how you've been, man. How's how's life been? It's going pretty good, man. It's going pretty good. I've just been um, working lots and doing jujitsu, and that's pretty much it. Spending as much time with family as I possibly can. I um, just uh, I don't know how much I can talk about it because I don't know how the the stuff is going to go down. But I just got my truck hit the other day, so I was kind of tested my patience was tested and uh we'll see how that all goes i'm just kind of working with my insurance and uh it's kind of weird here because it's i know like in the states you guys have a lot more like uh competition in terms of like auto insurance but here our auto insurance is provided by our government so everyone has the same insurance so like when you get in an accident and you call your insurance they kind of deal internally with the entire thing because everyone has the same insurance provider so it's kind of a weird situation um we'll see how it turns out but yeah i just had my t- my patients tested the other day that was on friday literally two days ago so Man, uh, that's that's uh still an ongoing thing then i mean and hasn't it's even crazy. started technically <laughs> <laughs> that's crazy to me i actually didn't know that um that there was you know government insurance in terms of like auto i mean there's probably got to be pros and cons to that i mean the way they run things here um is like a corporation you know but yeah i mean you know the fact that you're even like sitting and just having a conversation about it whereas like i know a lot of people who if that happened two days ago would spiral out of control that has to say something about your character man <laughs> oh dude i was <laughs> i was literally laughing about it the day of i was like it's it's about time i get another test from god man that's literally the way i was think, thinking about it i um i just had a conversation about it yesterday with a friend of mine on the podcast which uh, is going to air a week before this, but it, I was like kind of thinking about how much uh, my personality's changed because I've dealt so much with like kind of anger issues. And this time there was like no yelling. There was no like throwing a fit or anything like that. Like it was literally just like, I just laughed about it. And I was like, I guess uh, this is the test I'm going through right now. It's everyone you know, there's physical tests, there's emotional tests, there's spiritual tests. And, uh, this was my emotional test. And I feel like, uh, I'm passing so far. We'll see how the situation develops. It it might push my buttons a little bit more, but we'll see how it goes. (laughs) But, uh, 
Yeah, other than that, that's pretty much it. Just been uh, working a ton in construction, uh, training jujitsu as steady as I possibly can. I'm going to the gym five nights a week, and then on my weekends, I just run and stretch, uh, lift a little bit of weights. But uh, yeah, I've just been going gung ho with the with martial arts a lot more recently, and I did a competition a couple months back and uh, did pretty well. I won my division which was pretty sweet. And I got another competition coming up in a couple months. I might try and squeeze in one in the middle, but I, uh, but beginning of June is going to be my next competition for jujitsu. And other than that, man, just study working on the podcast and spending time with the family as much as I possibly can. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, you've got things going on different fronts and I like that since we've had our last talk, you really shifted almost like you've kind of gone like more all in or you've like put more resources into like jujitsu and um you know the fact that he did well in the competition i mean now i was thinking about it the other day how like you know whether you have talent or don't have talent you know if you just show up every day and you're disciplined like you are going five days a week you know like stuff starts to like come together you know consistency and seems seems like it's going good for you like night in night out you know you're putting in the work and you're also doing the work outside the work like stretching and weightlifting and running so man kudos to you i mean um just you know it's crazy how a little bit of discipline can take you a long way you know yeah absolutely it's uh definitely one of those sports where there is like all different types of physiques and bodies and different people in there. There's guys that are taller and longer. There's guys that are shorter and more stout. There's kind of guys like me that fall in the middle. And, um, you know, you, I remember my very first day I went in there and like, like a 60 year old man beat the hell out of me. And I was like, <laughs> there's gotta be something behind this whole thing now, because I thought like, if I were to meet that guy, I'd be like, yeah, I could kick his ass. And he wipes the floor <laughs> with me. And I'm like, well, maybe there's a lot more technique to this stuff than I anticipated. Maybe just being strong and fast and high endurance won't get me as far as I thought. But I mean, it definitely helps. But yeah, it's it's one of those things. That it's like, I, I definitely have the personality type of like when I find a new puzzle like that. And that's the way I look at it. I just get obsessive. I'm like, okay, I got to figure out how to beat this game. And the beautiful part about something like jujitsu is like, there's, I mean, I'm sure you can relate to this with ultra running too. It's like, there's no real winning this game. There's always going to be the next challenge, the next challenge, the next challenge, you know? And, um, with every time you, you kind of, uh, get promoted, you go from like, I'm still a white belt after a couple of years of training. And it's like, even after I'm beating white belts, it's like, no, you're just dipping your toes in the water. You know, like there's, yeah. there's new levels to this every single time. It's like, once you finish a, a 5k, it's like, okay, now you got to master a 10k. Now you got to master a half marathon. Now you got to master a marathon. Now you got to master ultra marathons. Now you got to master multiple ultra marathons in a year. Like there's yeah. always a, a next level to it, which, uh, I just, whenever I find challenges like that, I, I become obsessive about it. Like it's all I think about. It's the content I start consuming. It, it just, uh, 
all day I'm like, I can't wait to train jujitsu tomorrow. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, I feel the same way about ultras. And it's funny that you bring up the example of the 60-year-old man because I feel like ultra running is such an old head sport too. And I can't tell you how many times I've been humbled by, you know, somebody who has more experience and passes me later in the race because they're going a steady, you know, like the guy who's going a steady 11 minute like pace um, is always going to beat the guy who's going eight, nine, 10, and then slows down to like a 15 or 16. Um, just, it's crazy how like, you know, experience can do that for you. And like, you're so right about like, you know, like always looking for the next thing and like looking for the next challenge. I mean, you know, we just keep moving the goalposts and looking for the next thing that like scares us, the next thing that challenges us to grow. And I mean, it's, you know, it's awesome. And what I get from you saying that is like, I think we're both, you know, very driven by the process more than like the goal, you know? And I heard this like quote, that I really liked. It was something like, um, you know, the man who loves to walk is going to go farther than the man who loves the destination. Um, and I think that's kind of what I'm getting from you is like, I can tell you're like really enjoying the process of figuring it out. Like you say, you know, I'm still a wide belt after two years, but it's like, in reality, we keep moving the goalposts. So don't we want to always be white belts for in life you know just always being a beginner and learning yeah. yeah yeah and it's like i don't really care about the color of my uniform i just want to show up and, and have fun and, and learn every single day like there's always a new challenge every single time even when we revisit different moves that i've done in the past there's always like one little detail of like just turn your hips to this angle and it's like oh i never thought of it that way that does make it feel easier and, and more efficient and there, yeah, it's like step a little bit more to this angle or move your head a little bit more to this angle. Or if you can move your opponent's head this way, then that'll make it easier to, to use their, their body weight. And there's just so many different, like it's such a weird complex puzzle that I, I, I have one friend who's like much, much better than me. He's been doing it for probably over a decade now. He's a brown belt which is pretty high level. Like that's the, the only step under black belt. And he's like, dude, this is human chess. That's what this is. It's just like human chess. You're just moving the puzzle pieces and reacting to what your opponent does. And um, yeah, when you first start off, it's like, I'm going to try this move. And then uh, like when you get to the higher levels, it's like, I'm going to try this move so that maybe my opponent will react this way. So then I can do this move. Like it's like, yeah. all, it's all like diversions that way. It's such a cool sport, man. I've never, uh, yeah. never done anything like it. Yeah. I mean, it's like, um, you know, all those little intricacies, like you talked about, like even with running, like, you know, keeping your, like learning, like keeping your head up and like, you know, watching your strike and like swinging your arms and um, just all those like little intricacies and the attention to detail, like, I think it might like psych some people out, but I think once you become like really 
into the process and like part of that puzzle, then you really start to like chase those details and you sort of become like a student of the game that you're in. And um, it's, and it's funny that like we talk about like the mindset behind all this, right? Cause like people on the outside looking in see like two brutish sports, like why would you want to go out and do 60 K on a Saturday? You know, why would you want to, you know, wrestle, uh, why would you want to wrestle and get into headlocks and stuff with somebody five days a week, you know, uh, but you know, when we talk about it this way, it's like so much more, so much of what we do is more mental than it is like physical. And that's just the amazing part about it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, um, there's an interview with a guy named Jean-Jacques Machado, who's a master at jujitsu. And I was listening to a podcast he was on and he's like, when you're training in jujitsu, um you know it's more than just showing up to the gym and wrestling a bunch of dudes like it's how do these things apply to your real life scenarios how do they apply to your actual life and and that's what training in jujitsu actually is and i'm sure that like you've kind of felt similarly with running ultras where there's been probably times in your life like the other day for me when i got like uh my truck was hit it was like, okay, I deal with adversity every single day. I deal with the uncomfortability of like feeling like, all right, this is it. I'm about to give up. And then thinking in my head, stay cool, stay calm. Is there a way out of this where it's not the end? Like, is there anything I can do to maneuver out of this? And just having that mindset now of just like, take a breath. If you can still breathe, you're still in the game. Like you, you can try your best to just maneuver out of this. And if you can't, it's not the end of the day. There's still another fight tomorrow. Like that's kind of the way that I look at it now. And for me, I think that that's been a great way to kind of start to channel my own uh, inner demons in regards to like anger issues and just kind of dealing with uh, finding like an equilibrium, finding a balance that way. Yeah. I mean, you make a really good point about like how these things just like translate. It's not, you know, just about like doing the sport itself. Right. You know, people might just see like us doing the sport, the seeing it as a hobby, but to me, like, and I think you would agree with this too. It's preparing us for the trials and tribulations of life, which, you know, like Goggins himself has said before life is the, greatest competitor of all time you know <laughs> like life is gonna hit you like a semi truck you know i mean you know literally like what happened to you two days ago what's you know what happened to me the last time we talked you know i was going through some shit and we talked about it um and you know like i think without ultras i wouldn't have been able to react the way i did and i think i'm getting the same with how you're, you know, you're kind of reacting to it in terms of like a puzzle too. Like you're trying to figure out like, you know, is this something, you know, like, is there a way out? Like, what is the next step? And for me, like with ultras, it's more about like, you know, what is the next step I can take forward? Because if you look up at the peak or the summit that you have to go to, you're going to get overwhelmed or, 
you know, you're at mile 30 of the race of a hundred mile race and you think I got 70 more to go, you're going to get overwhelmed. Um, but if you take it one step at a time, then all of a sudden, like things start to snowball and you just start moving forward and it helps you kind of compartmentalize like your emotions within that too, you know, cause you know, running a hundred miles might be hard, but I can run one mile a hundred times, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Dude. I, you sent me that screenshot of your run, uh, yesterday and I showed my girlfriend and she's like, man, Ohm is always running. Like he, there's no, like <laughs> we, like I've got a lot of friends that compete in a lot of different sports and, um, I like, obviously being kind of like a hyper competitive guy, I know a lot of competitive people and she's like, I never like have, like, I know a lot of people that do these things, but it's like, she, she's like, dude, this guy is always running. Like always he's either running or sleeping. Like, that's it. Like, that's all he does. <laughs> and I'm like, seriously, he's a beast. Like, that's all he does is work and run and sleep. That's it from my perspective like that's what i see you as but um yeah dude tell me about this run because like it was like almost 60 kilometers right yeah it was like i'd say it was about 58 to 60 kilometers you know weather was great but there was like you know it was up at altitude so you know my goal going into this race was it was one more second to last like tune-up race um i'm leaving for you know nepal in four weeks uh for the everest uh, 70k ultra which is a foot race from everest base camp um that'll that is 70 kilometers down from everest base camp to namcha bazaar down at the bottom but it's the only one of the three that has a climb and I don't know how many people are actually doing the 70 K distance. Um, there's people doing the marathon and half, but yeah, it was just a tune up race for me to go in. And it's weird for me to say this cause you know, we were talking about goal posts and I remember a few years ago when 50 K races like this were like my Goliath, you know? And now I'm going in here and I'm like, I'm going to push 80%. Like, I'm just going to see how I feel, feel it out like a boxing match. <laughs> um, beautiful day. You know, I met some really cool people, which is the amazing thing about this community. You know, I literally met somebody doing the 60K who was sitting down and almost basically in tears. And I was like, what's wrong? She's like, Oh, nothing. I'm just so happy to be out here. Like I had surgery like six months ago and now I'm doing this thing. And I was like, wow, you know, <laughs> just, I mean, you know, I just had a good old day out there and, um, you know, no headphones, no music, just, uh, one of the things I used to do when I started ultras was half the time I'd have music or podcasts on. And I've totally like, turn that off in this training cycle. Um, and I've just focused on my movements and just focused on nature. And I've, one of the things I've started to do, including in this run is to start to voice record whenever I have something to say or something spills out. Yeah, man, dude, I could, um, like, cause my runs are nothing like what you do. Like I do like five to 10 K's on the regular, 
and uh i listen to podcasts i listen to like music the whole time it's usually a podcast or an audiobook but um that's like 40 minutes an hour tops that i'm running for really what is it like running for seven hours with nothing else playing because that's insane to me man oh it's it's crazy like all the thoughts that go through your head i'm starting to get used to like I'm starting to figure out like parts of my mind, you know, like the things I'll say when I get low, like I already know it's coming. Um, you know, I'll start to like, you know, in the past, like there'd be a lot of frequency of like beating myself up and saying like, man, why are you doing this? Like, why are you out here? Like you can't do this, you know, sense of like imposter syndrome, you know, because, there are a lot of people who've been doing this a long time. There are a lot of people who've been running since they were younger. And for me, it's not a sport that comes naturally. I just get out there and show up every day. And then the most fascinating thing is that there are moments where I'm actually just thinking nothing at all and I'm just existing. And I think those are just the most like amazing moments where it's just like, I have to focus on one foot in front of the other but it's really fascinating to start to understand through my training because I don't listen with headphones um, and I'll go for hours on end. It's really fascinating to know the kind of stuff that I'm going to say because when it happens in a race, then I can react to it properly too. And for me, I had a really big growth moment in that sense, like at mile 24, 25 in the race, there was about a, gosh, maybe like a 15 kilometer stretch between like aid stations. And I was starting to run out of water. A lot of people ran out of water. You know, they were not easygoing miles. And I remember things got really tough. And then the talk started coming out, you know, like the words. And I was just like, you know, it was crazy how quickly I sounded it up by just saying like, you know what, Ohm, like you're out here doing this thing, like showing up every day, like I got your back, man. I'm proud of you. Um, and it was the first time I'd done anything like that in any setting like that. And all of a sudden I felt like energy just spring through my legs and just power. And I just like started just hustling up this like hill and like running and at the end of the race I just started picking people off you know <laughs> like um it's just crazy how you know how powerful it is to like be your own best friend out there you know and and is that something that you've kind of always had within you or is it something that you've kind of just developed through training or was it something that just happened sporadically during this race or I think it's uh I think it was developed through training, especially this training cycle. I would you know, I've put down more miles in the past. Um and I've put down like um cycles where I did possibly more physical training than this, but as far as like being intentional and being intuitive and not listening to music and um just being all rounded, I think this is the best training cycle that I've ever had. And um, 
and you know going back to what we were saying like what you do in jujitsu and what i do in ultra running like so much of it is mental right so like being intentional with like training my mind um to understand understanding that my demons are going to react a certain way and say certain things and being able to react back at them has helped me more than any of my physical training ever has in becoming a more well-rounded runner. Um, so I think just sharpening that mental toolbox, man. What is like, what does training cycle look like? What does it look like to train for like a 60 or a 70 K run? Because like, I, I am trying my very best to fathom that I've only the closest I've ever come to that, which is not even close is running a marathon on flat ground. And I basically was like, well, I can run a half marathon. I run 10 K's all the time. So it's basically like doing a little bit more than four 10 K's. That's kind of the way I thought of it didn't train for it at all and i was in the hurt locker for a day or two after for sure but like what does training look like for running that long of a period of time at that distance oh man just just a lot of time on your feet um you know when you when you start with the training i'd say it's pretty similar to how you would train for a marathon or a race you know building your aerobic base and doing a lot of easy miles that's on the physical side and the mental side actually that is one of the things that i really had to do and the reason i say mental is because i really had to pump the brakes on my ego um because i had done you know thousands of miles leading up to this and then you know obviously i dnf'd at moab and we had a conversation shortly after. And that was when I bought into the idea of, I don't know if you're familiar with um, MAF training, like heart rate training. No, no um, I zone don't know two. much about it. So the idea of zone two training is, you know, your body has a certain range where you're in like a fat burning zone. Um, and that is the zone where like um that's you know that's like your conversation pace normally in terms of like your perceived effort like it's the pace that you can do for like hours mm -hmm. um for a lot of people i think we gray line our miles because we feel like we've been doing this long enough that we should be at a certain level of fitness be at a certain pace so when i um DNF Moab, I decided I had to, first off, you know, like we talked about how there was a whole mental journey to that, like six weeks without running, trying to figure out who I was, you know, and realizing ultimately that running may be a part of who I am, but it is not who it is not the reason why I exist. I am enough with or without running. Um, that was the first step. The next step physically was pumping my, putting the brakes on my ego and realizing that my zone two pace when I picked up a heart rate monitor was like a 15, 16 minute mile. Um, and going out there every single day, cranking out slow miles and just getting passed by everybody and 
you know, um, it's, it's crazy to put yourself in a position like that because our mind and our ego will tell us that like we should be in a certain place because we've been doing this for a certain amount of time. Mm-hmm. But as I bought into that, what happens is like your pace starts to get faster in that easy zone the longer you stay in it because your body starts to build mitochondria, you know, biology, powerhouse of the cell, you know, we say it all the time. Um, and your heart gets stronger. And now I run a 930 pace uh, per mile at the same heart rate that I was running a 16 minute pace six months ago. Um, and the reason I say that was mental is because you're subjecting yourselves to these like 15, 16 minute miles for hours at a time. Um, You can't go fast, you know, you can't like sprint. So you can't really hit that runner's high. So it becomes, it falls back to like discipline. Um, But, you know, going past that, like the rest of it, you know, and we can get into this is like, more specific to the kind of race I'm doing, which is like on rocky, icy terrain at altitude. So I spend a lot of time up in the mountains, just running downhill on like the rockiest, most steep terrain I can find, running uphill, um, doing sprints uh, on my hard sessions and just getting out there for hours at a time, like, you know, runs that are five hours long, six hours long, just complete solitude by myself and just practicing like eating while running and and, um and I put together like five of the last six weeks I put together weeks over 100 kilometers and um just a lot of climbing in those weeks and every session is intentional yeah, man, because that race yesterday, you said, I think you sent me a screenshot. It was like 2,500 meters of elevation Something during like that. that. Yeah. And is that both ways? Like that's the elevation at the finish line, or is that the elevation throughout the race and you you climbed that, but also had to descend? Yeah. Oh, the, the total elevation gain. It was closer to, see, 3,500 feet. It was closer to maybe like 1,200 meters. Okay, um, okay, okay. And then it was a net downhill race. So it was like 1500 meters of like down. So there was a lot more downhill than uphill, which, uh, which meant like my quads were sore. Today, That's why you know? I was asking, man, because I, I feel like people <laughs> think the uphill is like the worst part, but I know, no. dude, running downhill hurts even more. No, I love the, I, I love the uphills. I love the climbing grind because I think it works other muscles. Like it gives you a break and you can power hike it. Whereas like downhill, you know, you just have to keep going and your quads take a beating, your knees take a beating. Um, and I saw a lot of people with blown tires at the end of the race and I was almost one of them. I mean, it was, you really had to like pump your brakes on those downhills. <laughs> You had a run recently where your foot was fucked up, right? Was yeah. That, I think um, I saw on your Instagram a couple weeks ago, wasn't it? Oh, uh, my foot was fucked up. Um, was it your knee or your foot? I remember there was a race that you you had on your story where you were kind of limping through the finish line. 
Oh, that, 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 um, so last week was, um, last, no, actually it was a couple, five, six days ago was the two year anniversary of my very first hundred mile race. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Cause I remember um, seeing that. I was like, damn, man. Yeah. And I think we might've talked about it the very first time we chatted, but that was still like top five and like performances I'm most prideful for not because I made every mistake in the book um, <laughs> as anybody would when they're learning new things but like because I um, you know I was basically on one leg for the last like 30 miles of that race and I just knew I had to finish that thing if it was the last thing I was going to do um, but yeah I mean it's crazy to reflect that that was two years ago and it's been almost five years, half a decade since I started my running journey. Uh, did you have the kind of like, uh, the same inner demons you'd say, or like kind of mental, uh, conversations with yourself back then as you do now, is it kind of developed? Is it different? It's, uh, it's definitely developed. Um, I think the, I think it's developed in the sense that, I'm handling it way differently now. Um, when I first started running, you know, like it helped me out a lot mentally on the surface. Um, and, you know, I like, you know, that was back when, you know, I'd put on podcasts, music, headphones. Um, two years ago, I remember all the talk because when I jumped, you know, when I did my first hundred mile, I was very much like a disciple of like, I think like a lot of people were a disciple of like David Goggins about like doing hard shit, you know? Um, my talk was more of just like, you know, there was a, there was some inner coach, like you're better than this, like you're stronger than this, but there was also a lot of like, inner critic like come on is that all you've got you know um and i feel like over time like as we reinvent our why which i'm sure you know the longer you do something this is something i've gotten from every veteran and ultra running from veterans and like people who've done any one thing for a long time you the more you're gonna have to like reinvent your why um, and I think that that might even be the case for you, you know, down the line after doing five years, 10 years of jujitsu, like, you know, because we don't just evolve within the sport, right? We evolve, life keeps moving and things keep happening. You know, we get a new job, we find a, we find a new partner, um, we start a new business. Um, and I think, things are always just evolving. So I think it's pretty dynamic, man. Right. And, and, um, I wanted to ask you as well, cause you were talking about kind of like, uh, your inner critic versus your inner coach. And you were talking about like kind of the mental conversation you had with yourself this past weekend. Like, how did you kind of switch your brain? Cause you said that you did kind of switch your brain from negative self-talk to something more positive was there a moment where you were like, I need to change this? Or did it happen automatically? Like, how did you, cause I, I know a lot of people deal with that, that inner critic, whether it's in regards to, you know, sport, like we're talking about, 
or even just in life. Like when, when challenges happen in life, maybe you go through a rough breakup, maybe you lose a family member, maybe you, you know, are struggling financially. There's that inner self talk of like, fuck, like, can I keep going? Like, is this all worth it? What am I even doing this for? Like, is there a light at the end of this tunnel? Like, how did you kind of switch that that uh, conversation or the momentum of that conversation from a negative one to a positive one? It's uh, it's an ongoing process, like, you know, going into life, like I left my corporate job just about a year ago. Actually, today is the 16th. My last day at uh, at my government job was the 15th of April, 2022. Congrats, um, man. Happy anniversary. Thanks. <laughs> thanks man anniversary of freedom you know <laughs> being uh being my own boss um it's been a roller coaster and ever since i joined the ownership group of run try bike there have been a lot of moments where you know you try new things and you know this is i learned from ultras to fail big and not win small and that's a mantra that i live by a lot um but there are a lot of moments where I'm like, am I really suited to be a business owner? Like, <laughs> can I be like, can I run this whole operation by myself? Like, you know, when you're a one man crew or a two man crew, like you get it, you know, like you're, you know, you're running a business, you're like the CFO, you're the CEO, you're like your HR, you're like, you're wearing every single hat, you know, like, and we haven't reached that inflection point where you know we can hire a virtual assistant or bring somebody in and you're just handling all the aspects and you start to wonder like if you really belong there um and so what started helping me and this is why i'm so grateful for my dnf at moab um which i now my my mindset has shifted to that being like my greatest performance of all time um, which would not have been the same answer if you asked me that in our last, uh, in our conversation at the time, you know, um, I think it's just self-awareness and it's like a hyper self-awareness. Once I turned off the music, once I had these hours of like self-reflection on the trail by myself, I started to just like tune in to the radio that is my mind and just start to listen to everything that I was saying. And I remember at one point I was listening to all the stuff I was saying to myself. And at first I got a little emotional. I'm like, dude, this is not you. Have you always talked? Like, why are you saying this stuff to yourself? You know, like, this is not you. These are, this is like, your childhood, this is your circumstances, this is shit that you've been through, you know, but it's like, if people like, you know, I think at one point, I listened to all that stuff. And I was like, this is bullshit, man. Like, you can't talk to yourself this way. What I was, it was dumb, because I was basically I said it out loud too. like, I was literally like, man, like, why are you talking to yourself this way, you know? Um, and that was when I really started, I took the advice of a friend um, who is an ultra runner and, you know, goes through mental health struggles and really speaks out about men's mental health. And 
started to voice record when I had stuff to say, like actual monologues um, of just me like saying stuff. And I played them back, all the stuff that my mind was saying. And I just remember having this moment where I was like, do you know how you sound right now? Like, do you know the stuff that you're saying to yourself right now? Like, we are really, you know, people, and I'm sure you've been through this too, people have said stuff to us and we've had, people have tried to bring us down and life has brought the hammer down on us. But really when it comes down to it, it's crazy how we're literally our own worst enemy, you know? And I think having that self-awareness really got me to a point where I started to practice just being out there in solitude and just taking it all in. And so when the moment came during a race, just like a moment will come like that during life, I'll be able to just firmly say, look, man, like, I don't care about anybody else, but Ohm, I got your back, you know? Yeah, it's crazy how we can just beat the hell out of ourselves, man. And, and, um, I, I have this, I, I've got kind of like a sarcastic self-deprecating humor and I have like, um, uh, like a friend of, of my girlfriend's was here and we we're just like kind of chatting and joking around and, and she's like, oh, I can knock your ego down like a little bit. And I'm like, oh, trust me, I can do it way better than you. I've, I've been doing this for years. Like, <laughs> like talking shit to myself is, is like 90% of my self conversation at this point. I, um, excuse me, sorry. I, um, I get the same, that, that same, uh, experience. I feel like sometimes, uh, when I'm journaling, cause I'll, I'll, I'll journal. I try and remind myself to journal when I'm feeling like my most emotional and then I'll read it back the next morning. I do like a lot of reading in the mornings and I'll read it sometimes and be like, dude, you sound like your 16 year old self here. Like, I thought you made progress since then. And uh, the other time I get that experience a lot is um, when I record my podcast, like my solo episodes, because a lot of the time, like there's sometimes where I'll sit down and I'll just turn my camera on and maybe I'll talk about some current events or maybe I'll talk about, you know, something I heard at church that really stuck with me or something I just heard on a podcast uh, and sometimes like, I just do it like a, like a, I call it like a brain dump, like a mental dump. And I'll just talk about something that happened to me recently. And, uh, there's been times where I'm sitting there editing and listening to my own thought process being like, I can't believe I thought like this, like that was such a weird way to think about that. What I was going through at that time, like, especially when I listen to like, Sometimes if it's like a week old, it's like, okay, I, I kind of get where my head's at. I'm barely past that now. But if I listen to something from like a month ago, two months ago, a year ago, I'm like, man, why was I thinking like that? Why was I speaking like that? It's so crazy to hear how, how much we change over, over a, a span of time like that. Have you listened to, like, how long have you been recording yourself talk? Oh, for me, like consistently, probably just a matter of like a few weeks. And it's funny that, oh, it's been like four or five weeks now. And it's funny that you talk about like going back and listening a month or two back, because I think that's something I need to do. And 
I probably just need to mixtape it, you know? <laughs> Dude, you'd be amazed, man. You're like, there's been times where it could be like, I recorded something one day and like the next morning I'll wake up and I'll start editing that episode. And I'm like, why did I say it like that? That's such a weird way to <laughs> like, I didn't even, I don't even think that now. And it's like, that's what I was thinking about my situation at the time. It's so funny to hear. And, and I think that there's something to be said about how, like, we're so quick to label. And I think that you kind of touched on this already with your your DNF at the Moab. Like, we're so quick to label, like, a period of time in our life as, like, good or bad or or productive or non-productive based on, like, the emotion we felt in that moment. You could have like a rough day and you're like, that was a bad day. And then like a year goes by or two years goes by and you look back and you're like, that was one of the best times in my life. Even though the emotion that you felt that day doesn't change, just your perception on it, looking back in hindsight does. Exactly. Exactly. And that's basically the journey with Moab, right? Like when I, the first six weeks, I remember like reflecting on it and, you know, I'd, I'd say outwardly that I was proud of it, but really, man, I was beating myself up more than anybody. It was like, how can you get so close and not finish, you know? And then now that's sort of changed to like, man, like you did 235 miles without a pacer, without a crew, and you got out there and you gave it your all. And a lot of people are, uh, not many people are lucky to be able to see their perceived limit at that time, like physically. And I was able to find like my physical glass ceiling at that moment. I went until I couldn't. And and it taught me a lot more than like any of my victories have ever taught me. And that's why looking back at the Moab, I remember chatting with, um, you know, like Merrill, my sponsors about it. And like, we had a little panel and they were like, what is your proudest moment? And, you know, I remember saying the Moab and, um, the DNF at Moab instead of like going back to like my successful finishes because I grew the most from that experience because I failed big. You know, I didn't choose comfort. I didn't choose to win small. I chose, um, I chose something where the possibility of failure was high and I went after it. And at the end of the day, like the results will be what they are. We're not our results, we are the way we react and we perceive and, you know, we are who we are based on the process. Um, and so I'm glad you brought that up because I do think that what you feel in the moment does not define what that, what that journey or what that moment means in like the overall structure or the overall like story of your life um what we perceive as a failure at the time might actually be like a stepping stone to something greater it just all depends on your perspective yeah yeah and it's so easy to kind of look at your past or i mean like 
in my own perspective, it's easy to look at my past and stack up all the losses I've had, all the times I'm embarrassed of or feel guilt about or shameful of and be like, man, I am a bad person. Like, I really don't deserve anything that I have. And it's kind of like guilt trip, like a self guilt trip. And it's kind of like um, like a martyr mindset of like, yeah, I deserve all this bad stuff that's happening to me. Like, I should just take it all now, take it on the chin. And um, it's just so easy to fall into that trap, man. Yeah. And how do you like, I mean, you know, when you've had that, like, thought process for a while and you've been through some stuff and you know you've like you've done things you're not proud of which I'm sure everybody's done things they're not proud of and you know we all have those moments where it comes back to like something you said or did when you're like 14 years old and it like comes back to you or you know a friendship ended or like a relationship ended and no matter how toxic it was or how bad things were, like you're always thinking about, man, could I have done this better? Um, like, could I have, could I have done anything better? And so, like, I and I, I like the words that you used to describe it. It's almost like you're just martyring yourself. Like, I deserve all this bad shit that's happening to me, instead of like having the mindset of like, I deserve, you know, I deserve better. I deserve good things because everybody deserves good things, you know? Um, but it's hard. I mean, like, how do you, for you personally, how do you compartmentalize like dealing with that martyr mindset? Um, because I'm sure like, even after what happened to you a couple of days ago, there might've been a moment that passed through your mind, even during the laughing where you were like, well, shit, could I have done anything better at that moment? Oh, dude, I'm still thinking that now. I still think that, but, um, dude, I just, I, I, um, there's a couple of different things that I, I, I kind of use as like, uh, tools in my toolbox, as you were saying earlier, I, um, you know, when I first started um, getting help with my mental health, I remember I was in that that martyr mindset. I remember um, there there was thoughts of suicide, thoughts of giving up, and uh, I quickly kind of banished those thoughts from my head because I I never wanted to. One of my biggest fears was uh, having to like put my parents through that that pain and misery of losing at one of their children and having them feel guilt and shame and, and feeling like, well, couldn't I have done better? Like I was so scared of them feeling that hurt. And so I decided like, I'm never doing that. I can't ever give up. I have to keep going. And I remember saying to myself, it was like kind of a conversation with, with God, or some people could say the universe or some people could say my inner self or whatever you want to say. But I remember saying, you know, if I have to go through this, I'm going to try and make sure I alleviate this feeling for somebody else. Like, it, like, if I can't feel good, it's clear, like, I was really dark in a, in a dark place. And, and I was surely convinced, like, it's not possible for me to feel happiness. That's what I thought. And I was like, if I can't feel 
good. If I can't feel happiness, um, I'm going to try my best to try and alleviate this feeling for somebody else. And maybe that's what my purpose is on this, on this earth. And, um, I kept that thought like that was, I was kind of in that like fake martyr mindset for years. And so that's a familiar feeling for me. And I, I revisit that feeling all the time of just like someone else is going to go through something like this and I'm going to try and lead by example. And so that was like kind of one of the first tools that I adapted for that feeling of like when I felt like garbage, I was going to keep powering through it. But uh, I had this experience one time, and this is this is the thing that I've been turning back to a lot of the time recently. I had this experience one time where I was uh, sitting in the sauna in, in a gym when I was back in my bodybuilding days. I just hit weights for like a couple hours. And, and this is like, again, in, in a dark time of my life. And I was sitting in the sauna just kind of in a dark place mentally, and I was in tears. And this woman comes into the sauna and she's like, you know, what's, what's going on in your life? Like, I can just feel like a dark energy coming from you. Like, I feel like there's like, I felt compelled to ask you what's going on. And I was like, man, fuck it. I'm just going to open up and talk to this lady. So I start just telling her about what I'm going through. And she starts telling me about what she's going through. And, and she basically looks at me and says like um, something along the lines of like, uh, sorry for people that have heard this story on the podcast before, but I I just think it's a useful story. And and she says to me like, you know when like a teacher in elementary school or high school like sees a kid like fucking up and and not doing the work, and there's like kind of two reactions. Like one of the reactions is like fuck it, like best of luck during exam time. Like I'm never gonna see this kid again. I'll just let him do his thing. And then there's the other reaction, which is like, hey, like smack the book on the desk. Like, what's going on, man? Like, I know you can do this work. I know you're capable. I know you have it in you. You're just not applying yourself. You're not focused. You're not doing the work. And the reason that that teacher does that to that that student and sometimes even gives them more work than they're currently doing or, or what's required of everybody else is because the teacher sees that potential in that person, right? And, and uh, you know, God does the same thing, and the universe does the same thing. It's kind of like when um, it, you could say, like, it only gives the hardest test to people that are, are capable of going through them. Or it will only serve you uh, challenges when it knows that you're actually capable of overcoming them. And so now when I view things like this, that's why I said in the very beginning, it was like a test. It was a test for me. And, and there's tons of different tests. And you're only going to receive the test that you're needing to receive. Like for you, for yeah. example, like, you know, running a marathon, running an ultra marathon, like that would be a massive test for somebody. But you know, you can do it. You've done it before. You've done it multiple times before in the past. And so that feat of running for that long, running that distance, isn't the test that you need to overcome. Like what you need to overcome is going to be the side thing of like, oh, if this didn't happen, I'd be good. 
you know, like whether it's an injury or something that's happening in your personal life or something that's happening with your work, with your job, with your business, with, uh, with a relative, with anything else, like that's your test at that time. And that's what you need to overcome to get to the next thing. And so now when I face these challenges and I feel like, like I can feel my blood boiling where I'm like, Oh, really this right now? Like that was the first thing I thought when, when that happened to me the other day is like, man, it's Friday at four o'clock. I was just about off work and now I have to call my insurance and deal with all this bullshit right now. And I was, I was driving home, literally had to strap my door back onto my truck because it wasn't even on properly. And I'm like, of course, this is what I have to overcome right now. You know, like I was like, of course, this is what I have to overcome right now because it was like that aspect was, uh, it would, if it, if it can trigger you, then you have to overcome it, you know? Yeah. Agreed. And just like, and just like overcoming, like what you said about just like overcoming things in life, you know, like, you know, it's easy for somebody and myself included after an un, after a failure or something to say, well, you know, if this had happened, um, if this had gone right, then things would have been okay. You know, if I, my foot hadn't gotten messed up at so-and-so like mile 30 or something, I would have finished. And in reasonable cases, you know, it makes sense. Like when you're looking at the bigger picture to like drop out of a race, you know? Um, but you know, when you're looking at the big picture of like life's challenges, um, it's really sometimes good to like shift your mindset from like, you know, like this, like this happened to me the other day, like uh, with the accident, right? Like on Friday, like you got into the accident, like shifting your mindset from like, oh, like, man like this to like good you know i've got this you know <laughs> um or like you know like going back to like my first finish at my 100 mile race why am i why am i proud of that as one of my top 3 finishes because i went through the most shit in that race not because it was a perfect race you know i weathered a million storms you know like my feet were shredded like my foot was my literal, literally like one of my entire foot, like wasn't working, you know? Um, and I was just out there for like the maximum amount of time you could be out there. I couldn't eat anything and I'm proud of it, you know, whether I would have finished or not. Cause I weathered the most, the most storms and I grew from it. Um, and you know, like, thanks for sharing that story about like, you know, being in the sauna, because I know you might have mentioned it in your podcast before, but I personally never heard the story from you. So um, I think my, I think my purpose, like, it's really heartfelt to me that, like, your family was a big reason why you didn't commit suicide, because that is true for me as well because I have a little sister who looks up to me because 
I have a mom whose heart would break if she saw me like that. And, you know, I, at the time it was like a, for me, like when I was 16 and I thought I attempted suicide the first time, like it was also like a martyr mindset. It was like, there was one, nobody's going to help you. Like you're in, you're just destined to be in this shit, you know? Um, but as things came together with running and ultras, I realized that like these experiences, like you said, they can be tests, you know, for like, or maybe we perceive them as tests and not as shit because we've had, we've been through hell and life. And so what's that, what that's done for us is we perceive them as tests, perception, you know? versus like somebody who might have a downward spiral when they see the same thing that we're seeing what we see as a test um for me i think that's helped me realize that i need to keep pushing my personal limits because i have a story of like being a nobody and turning into basically rewiring my dna through hard work you know um and I can use that story to inspire people to lift themselves from rock bottom and be a spark plug and be a better leader. And so I think we have very similar purposes in that regard. And I think because we view what life has put us through as tests, uh, it helps us chase that purpose. Yeah, I agree completely. I think as well, um, when you put yourself out in a, in a position where you are able to fail, it, it really does expose the truth. And what I mean by that is like, we, we all have that negative self-talk of like, Oh, I'm a bitch. I'm doing this wrong in my life. I'm fucking up in this area. Like I suck at this. Like how many times, uh, like how have you, have you had that self-talk where you're like, I suck at this. I'm garbage at that. I'll never be good at this. I'll never be good at that. And, and there's always the other side of that where your ego kicks in the other way and you're like, Oh, I'm so good at this. I'm so good at that. Like, and, um, you know, a lot of that at the end of the day is just talk. And when you put yourself out in the, and, and have the opportunity to, you know, either become a victor or become a failure, it exposes the truth. And so you can kind of look back on those experiences of like, Hey, I don't need to point out my weaknesses. I expose them myself. I know where I need to improve, but I also know where I overcame something. And like, you can draw back on times where you did kind of uh, push yourself and overcome certain obstacles of your life and be like, Oh, I'm going through, you know, this might not be the exact same challenge, but I've overcome this feeling before I've overcome this experience before or this injury, whether it's physical, emotional, or anything like that. It's like, wait, we've overcome this before. I don't need the negative self to like talk. I don't need talk. I have mm -hmm. actual evidence that I can do this. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or I have actual evidence that I can even get closer to doing it. I, I have evidence that I can improve. And I think a yeah. lot of the times we feel the worst when we feel like, there's no way to improve this situation. And I think that it's like um, one of those things where you can 
look back after you've exposed yourself to the the opportunity of failure or anything like that and be like I don't need to listen to the talk. I have evidence that it's possible to improve. So I just have to crack the code and figure out, you know, where I have to improve. If I've exposed that already, it's like, okay, what's the first step to improvement? Yeah, absolutely agree. It's just totally agree with that. I mean, it's just like, you know, the more you do things like you with jujitsu with, you know, how you, ha not just that, but like how you handle situations like, you know, your accident, how you handle, you know, how you deal with your relationships in life, like friends, family, significant other, um, you know, that's all like evidence in the bank, um, like that you can overcome things and like, and not just like overcome like physical obstacles, but like overcome your own mental, like your own mental trials and tribulations of things going on in your head. Um, and I think that's where I ultra running helps out, helps me out a lot is it gives me more evidence in the bank. The more I put myself out there, I keep putting myself in the pain cave, the hurt locker, whatever you want to call it. Right. Yeah. Um, I keep putting myself out there knowing that this is going to suck and it's going to hurt and you're going to go through lows. And I almost like, like you said, it gets your blood boiling. I almost perceive it as like a challenge. Like how can I react to this um, in a way that's going to help me develop my character? I see it as opportunities to chip away at like, growing myself and evolving myself um and i look forward to and i'm excited and look forward to those moments and i one of the things i said to myself out loud in those last few miles where things are really starting to hurt was this is what you signed up for it wasn't for the first 50k it was for the last 8k you know this is the this is the moment you came from just like with weightlifting you know it's like you're not getting your money's worth on the first six out of the eight reps. It's those last two reps where you're sore and you're pushing yourself. Um, and how you react to that mentally, physically is where the growth is. And when you overcome those things, you add things to, you know, as Goggins would call it the cookie jar for, you know, for me, I call it like um, putting like cash in my mental bank, you know, like things that I can like, you know, like withdraw when I'm like in a tougher moment, I can go to that and I can go. One of the things I said audibly out loud in the last couple of races I've been in is come on, you've been through worse shit than this in life and in ultras. Like surely you, you've got more left in your tank. Like, you know, you're not done yet. <laughs> and that instantly gave me juice in my legs and like fueled my mind and I started a couple people had passed me earlier in the race like it sounds childish but I took it as a challenge and I started picking people off um <laughs> at the end of the race you know because I just knew I had more left in my tank yeah I don't think that sounds childish at all man I think in inherently a lot of 
people are are just competitive that way and we're driven by competitiveness and uh i think that people a lot of the time they um they'll say it's negative and it can be in some ways to have that mentality of like keeping up with the joneses and and again it can be certain times like uh negative in some aspects of life but i think that in other aspects of life it's like that's also the thing that keeps you in the loop it keeps you in the game of like hey that person's still going i i think i'm better than them i think i got this and not from like an ego perspective of like oh i'm better than everybody else but it's like looking at someone and and saying i guess a better way to say would be like if they can do it i can do it no and and the best part about it is that i had a friend i don't know if you're familiar with ankylosing spondylitis um as it's speaking latin to me now i don't know what that means um so as is a condition that like basically fuses your spine to like your other bones and stuff and so I know ultra runners who have AS and when they get out there, they feel several times more excruciating pain than the average person. And I remember being out there doing a 58 K and I had a friend who was out there in her forties with AS doing her going for her first hundred mile buckle, which, you know, spoiler, she got in 40 hours on a flat course with AS and I remember thinking like, surely if, you know, she can go out there and put herself through this several times more pain, it was like, you know, fueling off each other. Like I've done, she said that I've done things that have inspired her. And at that moment, as I told her later, I was like, I was going through a tough moment, Lori, like you inspired me because I was looking at your example and going like, man, if you can keep moving forward, like surely I can keep moving forward. I'm blessed to like be in the physical condition that I am. And going back to that person in the race who had just come off of surgery six months ago, who was smiling and having a good time. And I thought, man, if this person can smile and be in tears and happy and enjoying that they're out there and I'm in this great physical position, like, you know, surely I can like put on a smile, you know? And I think just the example of like, yeah, it might be like keeping up with the Joneses, but I think if you have like the right circle around you or the right people around you, you can draw off each other and fuel each other and, you know, support each other to, just grow and evolve yeah man it's um it's crazy what happens when you surround yourself with the right people man um i was gonna i've been meaning to ask you as well i don't know how much you're able to talk about it um but like what is uh how's how's it going with run run try bike I, i was wondering like um what your process is what your roles are like and like kind of what what's going on with all that so that people can kind of understand that a little bit better. Yeah. I think with run, try bike, you know, I'm very happy to say that we're out of our, um, we're kind of out of our growth, like our introduction phase. And I think people really know who we are now. And, you know, me and Jason, Jason 
Bahamundi is the other co he's the founder and the uh, other co-owner of Run Try Bike. Um, you know, he's, uh, he's also an ultra runner and Ironman. He's done the Cocodona 250. So both of us, like we knew we wanted to have a business in endurance sports because we live and breathe endurance sports. And neither of us are like podium athletes. We're just average Joes. Like Jason comes from the heart of Queens, New York, you know, and he's the last person people expected to become an ultra runner. And it was kind of the same with me coming from like, you know, living in the concrete jungle in LA and not growing up surrounded by the trails, like um, not coming from a great like financial situation to be able to do this. And our whole goal with Run Try Bike is just sharing all those stories of like the everyday athlete, the people like you and me who are just you know, just living our lives, running a business, doing our jobs, but also getting out there and doing endurance sports. Um, and we knew, Jason knew for a while when he started the business three years ago that there was a niche for that, that other magazines like Trail Runner Magazine, Triathlete and Runner's World, they were not targeting. And we had an audience in that. And we've sort of evolved into like media and marketing and you know, we're in the growth phase now and it's tough when I will say like from a mental side, it's tough. And Jason and I meet every week and we talk about it. We talk about the numbers and the direction we communicate. And it can be really tough when you're in this in-between phase where you're growing, but you're also a two-man show. So you're kind of handling everything, you know, like we're putting together the performance reports, you know, we turn our fireside chats, which is our Instagram live show. Like I edit those into podcasts. And as you know, editing a podcast is no joke. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, we, we contribute articles to our website, runtrymag.com. And we're pitching to at least five or six people every single day. Um, and so we're handling everything. And sometimes we have to try to avoid getting overwhelmed, but it's a very exciting time for the business. And, um, you know, one of the things we do in that process to ourselves and to each other is reiterate how much we appreciate each other's strengths. Jason's been doing marketing for 20, 25 years. And I, I jumped off the deep end and learned social media and marketing, um, complete 180 for my engineering career, um, a year ago. And, um, it's freed up Jason to do more of what he's good at. Um, and the two of us are just growing the business and yeah, I mean, it's been a wild ride, man. Yeah. And, and, having you guys both be kind of endurance athletes as well. Like I'm sure that that kind of uh, like, is he still competing? Is he still training a ton? Totally. And actually he's uh, doing his first hundred mile race in four years um, in a couple of weeks. Cause he's trying to qualify for um, a race in France, which um, is called UTMB. It's in Chamoy, France. Um, and that 100-mile race in France, the 161-kilometer race, um, I think it has just about 
10,000 meters of vert in that race and you have 48 hours to finish it. That race is like the Mecca of like, it's like the international, like, like world. It's like the world cup of like ultra running. Like people dream to go to that race in France and race among it. And you go through like cities and people populate the cities almost like tour de France, but like with running, you know? Um, and so he's still competing and, you know, he's doing his first hundred mile and I'm going to be doing the last 34 miles with him. So that's going to be fun trying to get him, bring him home to the finish line. Um, but yeah, man, like I said, both of us, like we try to make a point of like letting people know that we're not just like people sitting behind the desks, you know, like we live and breathe the sport. Like I'm going and doing these extreme ultra races and Jason's still out here competing and um, yeah, just really fortunate to be able to be in a position to have started a business in endurance sports. When, when you guys are training for um, these different events, like does the business just kind of take like a pause? Like, do, do you guys keep working uh, day in and day out? Like, how does that kind of, um, how does the business compete with competing? That's a better way to ask it. Oh, no, man. Like some, like, I think it's, uh, I'll say it like this. And I think you'll understand this. Like when people ask you the question, like, how do you balance all these things in your life? My answer always used to be either I'm not sure, or, you know, I do this, this, and that. Um, but I think what I realized is that there's really no such thing as balance. There's a such thing as like flow. Like you might have some, this might be the same for you, but you might have some days that are like, Sunday might be like your podcast editing day or something. And you just sit down and you're like, I'm just going to take this three hour block and just focus on editing without any distractions, you know? And some days might be like, um, now going back to my case, you know, like there might be some days like, um, like for example, rest day for my training, a rest day for my training um you know like i kind of in some funny ways i kind of dreaded it recently um like not in a bad way but i know that my rest day is when i'm going to have the most time free to work on my business so my rest day might be a physical rest day but it's a very business intensive day where i'm taking like client meetings and trying to fill in as much as possible so I don't think anything takes, I don't think any one thing takes the backseat to the other. I think that they're both equally important. Um, I just think that there are some days that are business intensive and some days that are sports intensive. And I think it's all about just finding the flow and just knocking out one thing at a time. Yeah, man, I a hundred percent agree. I, um, I'm pretty much always doing something around the clock and, and I feel like that's, um, yeah, that's just kind of how, how I've operated a lot in the last little bit. And I know for myself, like people kind of ask sometimes like, Hey, like, um, what's like, when, when do you take a rest day? When do you take a break? And I'm like, rest day? 
I'm like, no, no, no. There's like, if I can get two hours of chilling out on a Sunday, I'm good. Like two, like, you know, like there's no like full day. It's like, there's small little time periods where I get like a little bit of a rest, but, um, it makes you appreciate those little moments a lot more. Yeah, absolutely agree. Like, you know, like you said, like if you can even get like a couple hours off during the week when you're like on the clock, like it's great. And you start to like be more efficient and be enjoy and be more present in those moments, whether it's spending time with your family or spending time with yourself. And you start to look for ways to be present in even moments that other people would consider busy. Like, I don't think people quite understand it when I say like I'm going out on a trail run and it's an easier one and I'm just spending hours out there and it's like time to my and I see it as time to myself they're like how do you get into a meditative reflective state when you're running it's like uh, I don't know you just you just do you know <laughs> like um you just become more uh efficient with those things and um you know it when you do things that I think also when you do things that you really enjoy, like with run, try bike, like it's a pleasure to be telling people stories. There are aspects of it where those extra hours that you put in don't feel like work. Um, they feel like your passion and it's, there are parts of the job, like, don't get me wrong that I don't like, you know, like putting together performance reports and crunching out numbers and doing business taxes because all of my small business owners, we know how that is here in the States. <laughs> um, but like the other stuff, like writing for the business, like editing parts of the podcast and making reels and, um, you know, getting on the fireside chat and like, talking to other small business owners and seeing how we can support each other. Um, that stuff brings me a lot of joy and it oftentimes it doesn't feel like work to me. Yeah, man. I a hundred percent agree. I got to, uh, I got to run to the washroom. So we're going to take a little pause right here and then, um, we'll pick up right where we, I want to hold on to that thought. Cause there's something I was about to say, but I just got to pee after drinking that coffee and water. Totally. Hold on one sec. Sorry, now I can focus better. You're still there, right? Yep, still oh, here. Beautiful. Are you on a time crunch at all? Do you have any time constraints? Uh, I think I'm good to at least go for another 20 more minutes or something. Okay, beautiful. Yeah, I was going to say, dude, I can talk to you for hours. but um. Yeah, we have good conversations, man. Yeah. Um, What I was going to say is, I, there's always, you, you touched on this and I like that you brought it up is there's always aspects of doing what we love that we don't love. And I always compare that to like my podcast as well, because I love having conversations like this. Like I've always been an, an extrovert and I love being able to talk to somebody that's, that I find interesting and that has cool things to say and that teaches me and that I can bounce ideas off of. I can talk to people for hours. And, uh, I also love getting the feedback of like, Hey, 
I like the way you said this. That really helps me out with this this kind of challenge that I'm facing in life or I never really heard somebody say it that way and I relate to it more or I just I never thought that somebody thought that way and I can relate to that and I feel a lot less alone. Like there's all these great aspects of podcasting that I love so much. But for me like I I honestly hate doing all like the the back end stuff of like uh paperwork with taxes because i do obviously like sell merch and there's a lot of stuff on the back end like keeping inventory and spending money that i don't want to spend and advertising on so like i i hate social media i hate doing all that stuff i hate you know editing but there's always the aspects of like okay if i just get this done i can do the stuff that i love And, and just having a balance of i like how you said that as well as like I, I do compartmentalize like, okay, on this day, I'm going to spend like hours editing so that the rest of the week I can just do the stuff that I like to do. And like, I, I fill my morning times with editing. Cause it's like, well, not many people are down to talk at 4am, but I'm going to be up anyways. So I'll edit at that time. Like there's, there's always ways of like, all right, if I could muscle through this stuff that I don't like, then I'll get to enjoy the parts of it that I really love. And I'll be able to share that with someone else. Yeah, agreed. Um, and there's this rule that, you know, I don't know exactly where it comes from. I'll have to find out exactly where it came from. I saw it on a tweet, but it was called the 333 rule. Um, and it's a rule that I've kind of just been like compartmentalizing my task list, my tasks on. It's uh, three hours on a task or project that is more intuitive, like maybe like podcast editing or like, you know, writing an article or something that requires you to be in a deep dive focus, like a three hour block. And then it's the, the second three is three smaller tasks that you can do for your business or like something that you're focused on, whatever it is in life. And then the last three is three maintenance activities, whether it be mental, physical, or spiritual that you can do for yourself. For me, like non-negotiables or like, you know, five hours, uh, sorry, not five hours, at least five minutes of stillness every single day, um, five minutes of stretching every single day. And, um, you know, the other one, the other maintenance activity is like five hours of some kind of active movement every day. Five hours uh, of movement. Five. <laughs> I keep saying hours. It's <laughs> see, this is a it's ultra running talk, man. Everything <laughs> is hours. <laughs> five five minutes. You know, um, I think we even talked about that a while back. But people always think about like, what's the most I can do. Um, you know, and what's the most I can do to become better at something instead of thinking about what's the bare minimum I'd be willing to do, even if I had a shitty day, whether that's like five minutes of like stretching or five minutes of like practicing like a maneuver in jujitsu or something, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I have that like on my days that I feel completely beat up and like my joints are all jacked up from, from a sparring session from the day before or something like that when I'm like, Oh man, I, 
I cannot work out today. I have a rule where like I have to spend 45 minutes moving every single day, no matter what. And uh, there's a loop around my neighborhood that I can usually get done in just under half hour. Like it takes me probably 27 minutes. And I know like if I can get that loop done and then walk a couple blocks and then do like half an hour of stretching, that's still an extremely productive day. Like that's, that's still, you know, it's not like the, the maximum, but it's like, it gets the bare minimum done. It's a little bit of cardio and then a little walk to clear some lactic acid and then stretching so that tomorrow I feel better and I can hit it hard again. Yeah. And often, like, I remember even for myself, like I used to be a habitual quitter. And, um, I think that societal, we like, we have this mindset of like, you know, you see somebody or you see this recommendation and it's like, you should exercise like half an hour a day or an hour a day, or, um, you know, it's like, some six pack abs program or some program that influencers putting out on social media. And they're like, you got to do an hour, three days a week. And oftentimes like, this is just an example, you know, like people will build up to that. Um, and then at some point, like they will, they'll burn themselves out because they came out hot and then they just stop entirely. What if we shifted that mindset of all or nothing which we see a lot in like life and hustle culture and like social media to all or something, you know, maybe you get back later than you want to from your job and you can't do 45 minutes uh, of running or you can't do that half an hour loop, but maybe you have 15 minutes to spare. Could you still get out there and do 15 minutes? Isn't that better than doing zero? Yeah, hundred percent. Like there's um yeah, there's always something that you can do that way. And and for me, like I'm sure that you feel the same way. It's like I can at least run for like I like 20 minutes. I can get that done. And like that's like where it starts. And then like that's how it was this morning. Like I was kind of I had a busy morning. I, I did my reading, I did a bit of journaling, I did my meal prep, and I was like all right, I got 40 minutes before I have to leave for church because we're meeting a couple people and I got to pick up this person. I was like, I can I can crush a 25-minute run really quick, shower up, and I'll be ready to go out the door. Like, And then when I get home, it's like, oh, now I can take the dogs for a walk. It's raining, but I got a jacket. Like, I'm good. Like, there's always, like, you'll find little moments to squeak in a little bit more movement. Yeah, agreed. And I mean, I had like, you know, one of the things that, like I said, that this, you know, I had said earlier, this is the most well-rounded training cycle I've had. And one of the reasons that is, is not because of how many miles I put down, but because of how intuitive I was with listening to my body. Um, I got sick earlier in the training cycle when I went to India and I was putting down miles. I think you remember seeing it on my stories. Um, oh, yeah. I, I didn't like, I think 10 miles in that, uh, uh, I think I did like 10 total miles during that week because I got like a throat infection and, you know, listened to my body and stopped, but switched that up with like some yoga and some like, active movement and just walking and climbing stairs and um 
even just this last week, you know, I wasn't properly recovered from a long run I did on Sunday. I came in on Monday and my heart rate was like through the roof and I wasn't feeling right. I went out for like 10 minutes, I think, and decided like halfway through those 10 minutes that, you know, today doesn't feel like a running day, but I can still get out here and I can do a walk, you know, um, I can still put time on my feet and then I can get inside and do a little bit extra stretching. I mean, you know, we don't need this all or nothing mindset. There's always something you can do. And even if like you can't get out there and be physically active because you have an injury or something, like you can sharpen your mental toolkit. Maybe it's not five minutes of running, but maybe it's five minutes of like practicing breath work or, you know, journaling or something. Um, but there's always something you can do mentally, physically, spiritually to better yourself. Even if it's five minutes is not a hard and fast rule. Even if it's just one minute, you know, like, if you're doing one minute of something every single day for 365 days, next thing you know, you've put in 365 minutes of work versus putting in nothing at all. Yeah. hundred percent. And, and how much that translates into things like business or relationships or anything else. Cause it's like, okay, maybe I can't, you know, move forward with this customer or this client or this partner or whatever it is, but Maybe I can spend some time writing some strategy. Maybe I can rethink this other issue that I was going through before. Maybe I can jump on the computer and do some backend stuff of just like, how about prep for tax season? Cause I know that's coming up or whatever it could be. Like, there's always like, it's like just thinking about like, what is the best use of my time? If I can't move forward with this aspect, then how can I use this time the best so that I'm not choked in the future, like thinking like, wow, I wasted that time. I wasted that precious time that I had and I could have done something else. I could have done something different. And uh, yeah. so, so moving forward before you go to Everest, like what's, um, what's kind of like your mindset or your training going into this, this uh, season of your life? Um, just be, just be well-rounded in every aspect, you know, one of the things, one of the tones I set for myself was that I really want to be great at the sport. Like I really want to go out there and put in the work, but I also want to do this for a long time. Um, and that means listening to your body. That means if, you know, for example, if I didn't sleep well the night before, that means cutting my run a little bit short. If I, and the opposite, you know, like if I had a good sleep or if I'm feeling really good, pump down in a few extra miles. Um, but just being dynamic and understanding that I am more than just, you know, these are all just aspects of my life. We are more than that, you know, like, and realizing that while run while running is an aspect of my life it is not who i am it's just something that i do and it's something that gives me purpose but i'm also a business owner i'm also a son i'm also um, an older brother i'm also a leader to people in my community um 
I'm also an example, as I found out uh, very much an example for people in the South Asian community who look at this thing that I'm doing and see that it's totally unconventional for South Asians to do. And um, we're just so much more than these one thing. So my mantra is just like trying to find the flow with everything. And, you know, if I have to cut mileage short in a week or something, like stop looking at that, just that one week, you know, zoom out to the big picture and think like, are these five or six miles that you would have pushed yourself through going to matter 10 years from now? Are they going to matter 15 years from now when you're still doing this sport and you've been consistent regardless? Um, no, but if you do end up forcing yourself to do those miles, you might burn yourself out. You might injure yourself. Next thing you know, you're out for a year. Next thing you know, like, you never want to do this sport again. So I think just like trying to find the balance of like being dynamic and doing those things and being present and intentional, but also like playing the long game and realizing that this is an ongoing process. I'm, I love this process and this is something I want to do for a long time. And uh, just just so that you have something to reflect upon when you listen back to this later, what's um what's one thing you're excited for and one thing that you're anxious about going into this uh, this uh, tribulation or this trial that you're going to have in, in near Everest? Oh man, um, I would say in terms of like what I'm what I'm excited about. I mean, I'm excited that I have these feelings again that I haven't had in a long time. And I'm talking about, you know, feelings that you might've had like before your first marathon, like the nerves, the excitement, you know, before you do a hard thing that, you know, the possibility of success isn't totally guaranteed. And like, you're doing something that is going to test your physical and mental limits farther than you've ever like tested them before like I mean I've done 100 miles and I've done 200 miles and people have told me non-stop like it's 70k you've done way more than that and I'm like not in the cold not at altitude not what is the highest race in the world you know um so I'm excited to have those feelings again the thing that I'm most nervous about is probably the probably the altitude and just going out there and one of the things that people have to realize and that I'm trying to temper my expectation to is that I'm not just going to waltz into the start line right like I have to fly I have to like drive to Lukla I have to get on a plane in the world's most dangerous airport I have to trek 12 days up altitude to the start lines, camp out there two nights, be cold, tired, sleep deprived. And then I get to have the honor of towing the line at that race. So I'm not going to start fresh in a hotel room, you know, happy as a daisy, you know, like with a hot shower, like I'm going to already be like, you know, excuse my language. I'm already going to be pretty fucked when I start the race. So, um, 
I would say I'm nervous about that, but I think that goes into my excitement as well because I feel like just getting to the start line is going to test my physical limits and then being able to race when I'm already tired and sleep deprived um, and be out there for 15, 16 hours at a time because who knows how long that's going to take when you're at 50% of the oxygen at sea level like imagine breathing half of what you're breathing right now, you know, and trying to run in that is that's what I'm going to do. Man, that's crazy. And it, it puts a lot of my nerves um, into perspective because I, I get that feeling. I, I can literally feel it right now. The feeling that I get like before a competition. Um, and I used to get this feeling a lot when I used to play rugby growing up in high school, like the, like the day of a game, um, or something that means a lot to me. Like my last competition, it hit me like the second I sat in my truck and turned my truck on to drive to the venue, uh, my stomach just dropped. And I was like, fuck, I actually, this is today's the day. This is what I've been preparing for, for the last couple months. This is what the trainings come to. And then I started getting that, like, what if I lose my first fight and I'm eliminated? What if, like, what if I do something that embarrasses me? What if I, like, completely mess up? What if I get injured? What if I can't train? Like, what if I, like, there's all these thoughts. And and um, I, I remember when I was driving to my last competition, I thought to myself, like, man, it's been a while since I felt this nervous. It's been a while since I felt like this. Like, I kind of like this feeling. And, um, yeah, dude, I just, I, I know for myself, like that's where the inner talk starts to come out where I was like, look, man, like you spar every single day. Like this is kind of just like a, a sparring session with a little bit more, um, you know, the, the, the losing is going to hurt more, but the winning is going to feel better. That's kind of the way I thought it is like, you know, you spar every single day. So all you have to do is do what you do every single day, but with a little bit more intention behind it. And, um, that's kind of the way I just kind of convinced myself to follow through with it. Like, cause, uh, yeah, dude, when those nerves hit, whether it is in regards to competing in something or having to show up for work or, you know, when those nerves do hit you where like, not you personally, but you listening, whoever's listening to this, you know, like those, um, those nerves hit for everybody at different times. And it's like, you really have to just kind of analyze your inner dialogue when that happens of like, what, what is this feeling actually? And when was the last time I felt like this? Like, did I come out on top? Did I overcome it? Why or why not? And I don't know, man. I, I, I think that that feeling is truly what being alive feels like. It's like, Oh, I care. I'm actually passionate about this. Like this means something mm -hmm. to me. Maybe I need to do this more often. Exactly. Exactly. It's you hit the nail on the head with that. Like it's, it means we care about this and it's like something that makes us feel alive. And one of the things that happened to me during the last couple ultra races that I did, the 55 K that I did in March and the 58 K that I did yesterday was like, I've welled up with like, you know, people will say like, man, you've done a hundred mile races before. Right. But it's like, I can't tell you how many times, like even in a 50 K or something I've welled up with like emotion, almost been in the brink of tears. And it's not because I was in pain, but because 
I was just so grateful. You know, I thought after Moab was done, there was a moment where I thought my running career was over, not because physically I was not going to be able to run again, but mentally, I just, I just thought like, do I have it anymore? Is this something that I can do anymore? Like, have I finally reached the end of my fuse and am I burned out? Um, and so I fixated on that. And the fact that I feel stronger than ever, mentally, physically as a runner, healthier than ever. And one of the things that I fixated on was just gratitude, you know? Every single time I toe the line, whether it's a 50K, whether it's a 5K, whether it's a 100 mile race or 200 mile race or a race on like, the highest mountain in the world or like at, at base camp or whatever, like I just fixate on gratitude, you know, just having the privilege to be able to test my limits over and over again. And, you know, mind willing, like body willing, like God willing, able to like keep doing this thing. And that gets me through so much. So I think one thing to add to your point is just like, and it's just having gratitude for those nerves and that excitement. Cause like, man, that is truly, I agree with you nail on the head. That is truly the feeling of like being alive. Yeah. It's a magnificent feeling, man. It really is beautiful. Um, oh, we're coming up on two hours here. So out of respect for your time, man, I'll, I'll let you get motor in off. Cause I know actually, no, we're in the same time zone. So it's not too late for you either right now. But no. um, I'll let you get on with your evening and I'll let you get on with your day. But uh, you know how I roll. I, I, I'll i do my own intro, but the onus is on you for the outro. Um, tell people where they can find you um, and uh, give a little message of uh, maybe spread something positive, maybe something motivational, maybe something that just uh, closing thought that you want to leave people with. Uh, I'll, I'll let you take the floor for the last little bit and then uh, I'll let you get on your way, man. Yeah, a couple things, man. Um, you can find me on Instagram at the Om Gandhi. Um, you know, not too hard of a handle to find, although people butcher my last name all the time. <laughs> it'll be it'll be in the description, so don't worry. I'll, I'll put that in there so people can find it. Um, and then you know, if you want to find more amazing stories of like the everyday mid to back of the pack runner or the endurance athlete, and just stories of life using endurance sports as a conduit then you can go to runtrymag.com you can find us on instagram at runtrymag as well um and last thing is you know i always do my runs for charity and this time my chosen charity is a local charity for marginalized kids um and providing them 21st century like education um in Nepal, it's an organization called Kids of Kathmandu. I made a post about it and fundraiser link is in my Instagram and our goal is to raise $10,000 and um, they're putting that towards education, um, bringing classes and they just oh, broke ground on their 10th school actually. Um, and they're building sustainable 21st century schools. Um, just for kids in marginalized communities, as you guys know, Nepal was hit by an earthquake in 2015 and there's still a lot of recovery to be doing from that. And 
you know, just like I, you know, believed with Ridstone family who I raised money for, um, you know, one of my mantras is for the kids. I believe that every kid, no matter where they are, deserves a fair shot. And I just want to give these kids a fair shot because I'm racing in Nepal. And I think that it's my purpose to go out there and be a conduit and help bring support and awareness to what this organization's doing. So um, yeah, you can find that fundraiser in my Instagram. And other than that, man, I'm just going to say, you know, it's not about one message I can put out to everybody is it's not about um, being perfect. It's about perfect attendance. Just show up every day, you know, um, some days are going to be bad. Some days are going to be good, but as long as you show up, you know, you just, and keep moving forward, like things will happen and you're going to be okay. And, you know, it's going to be less than perfect a lot, but, um, just show up every day. Perfect attendance is what matters. I love that, man. I absolutely love that. Written up there on my wall. I don't know if you can see it, that little white thing up there. It just says, keep fucking pushing. And that's what I uh, I have on love my it. wall. So when I walk in my office every day, I see that. I'm like, keep fucking pushing, man. Keep fucking pushing. But ohm. Good luck, man. I'm excited to hear uh, about the results. I'm excited for uh, the future episode that we're going to have to be able to talk about uh, how everything goes, man. I love you, brother. I appreciate you, man. And uh, God bless you. And uh, I'm, I'm stoked to hear about this, man. Good luck. And, and I hope your training goes well, man. Yeah, love you too, man. And I appreciate you. And I appreciate all the conversations we can have because like you said, we can do this thing for hours. Oh, dude, you know? trust me. It's this is my this is what I love to do the most, man. All right, brother. Much love and peace out. All right. Peace out, man. <laughs>